0: health and well-being, and we combine all the physical aspects, nutritional aspects, as well as the energetic and emotional aspects to well-being. So on this podcast, you guys, you are going to get a variety of information with different topics that can range from brain health all the way to how your energy field impacts your overall health and well-being. Now, let me remind you that we are not giving medical advice on this podcast, and these are just our personal experiences and information that we are sharing. If you do have any physical or any mental challenges going on in your life, we highly recommend that you seek a medical professional that you have a strong relationship with. All right, you guys, we are going to get started. So here we go. Guys, welcome to another episode of the Happy Whole You podcast. Today I have Dr. Julie Brush with me, and she earned her Doctor of Naturopathic Medicine from National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon in 2005. She served in a primary care setting with a focus on mental health for over 17 years, and she is absolutely amazing. She currently is working at the Aiming Clinics in Los Angeles, and she's only one of 4 NDs working in 10 Amen Clinics around the U.S. She utilizes brain SPECT imaging scans, which we're going to talk about on the podcast today. And she also works with patients with all types of psychiatric issues such as memory problems, dementia, ADHD, traumatic brain injuries, addiction, PTSD, and all things related to brain health. She recently served as the medical director of the exclusive in Hawaii, which is a holistic addiction and eating disorder residential Treatment Center. She also is an active member of the Oregon, Hawaii, and California Association of Naturopathic Physicians. And you guys, she's just amazing. And she's certified in IV therapy. She's awesome. And so let's get into it. Here we go. All right, Dr. Julie Brush, thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Well, I was so excited when I was given the opportunity to interview you because, well, I love the Dr. Amen clinics and there's so much great information resources that they put out for all of us. And I haven't found that all of you that work with the Amen Clinics are very knowledgeable and very helpful when it comes to mental health. Before we dive in to that, can you share with everyone a little bit about yourself and what brought you to wanting to support people as an ND and in a more of a holistic manner?
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, I am a licensed naturopathic doctor, which means that I went to a four-year medical school with clinical training. And I spent the first 15 years of my practice as an integrative family practitioner. So I really worked as a primary care physician in Oregon. And what I found was just over the course of time, I was working more and more with people's mental health, because what I found was if we didn't pay attention to that, part of their health, then we were constantly chasing symptoms because, you know, the depression, the anxiety, the PTSD and stress were really at the root of so many of their complaints. So over the course of time, I got better and better at learning how to address that piece of people's health. And and I think it made me a better primary care provider because I was paying attention to that. When my daughter graduated high school, I basically had told myself, when that happens, I want to go wherever I can. I want to leave Oregon and explore other opportunities. And I ended up getting a job offer in Hawaii. So I moved to Hawaii because who wouldn't want to move to Hawaii (laughs) and ended up working at a naturopathic retreat center in Hawaii that was eventually covered by lava. So that job shifted rather dramatically, and I was able to take an opportunity to become a medical director of a holistic addiction treatment center in Hawaii. So that was a radical shift from sort of a general practice to a mental health care practice with an addiction focus. So it was a major shift shift and it was a steep learning curve, but it was a field that I really enjoyed working in. And so, and it was really a stepping stone to working at Amen Clinic because about two years into being the medical director, I got a job offer from Amen Clinics, which I am very excited about. Um, I've now been here almost three years and it brings in this other aspect of spec scans, which helps I think the psychiatric piece of care be much more tailored to the patient, much more individualized. And what a fantastic journey it's been to get to this point where now my focus is really on mental health, brain health with the spec scans as a really valuable tool that's included in that.
0: I love that. And let's just jump right into the spec imaging scans because I'm very fascinated with them. I've had one myself. I've referred clients down to the Amen Clinics who also have spec imaging scans done. Can you share with our listeners, what is a spec imaging scan? and why would someone go and get this scan done?
1: Right, so a SPECT scan is a blood flow scan. It's basically an image like a CT or an MRI, but it's looking at blood flow, in this case, through the brain. And we can learn a lot about the way the brain is functioning by looking for areas of extra blood flow or lower blood flow than we would expect in specific areas. And so when we put this into context of a person, their history and their complaints, it gives us a much more holistic picture about what their brain needs to be healthy and balanced. So it is a diagnostic tool that has really been missing in the field of psychiatry and mental health. It is incredibly valuable. A lot of people have head injuries somewhere along the way, and we underestimate the impact of head injuries, sometimes even minor head injuries, things like a whiplash injury that you weren't hospitalized for from a car accident, things like kids who play high school football or soccer and have repeated low-level injuries to their brains. Um, They may never be hospitalized. They may never even get a, a, a serious concussion diagnosis, but the impact is there and it can be lasting. That impact can actually last for years and have an effect on their brain function. So that's one place where SPECT imaging is really, really valuable is to look at the impact of past head injuries, but it also gives us more information about their specific diagnosis. So for example, somebody has depression, That can be caused by a number of different things. It could be caused by inflammation in the body and brain. It could be caused by an impact from past head injuries. It can be caused by low blood flow to specific parts of the brain for other reasons. And all of those things are very hard to tease apart in modern psychiatry, which simply asks the patient how you're feeling. And it is one reason why a lot of antidepressant therapies don't work is because they're not actually addressing the root problem.
0: Yeah. It's really fascinating that this isn't more widely known to support people with their mental health to get this respect imaging scan. So what does that mean for someone? Say they have, you know, low blood flow to their prefrontal cortex, their forehead. What would that indicate? What are some
1: characteristics of someone that would have that low blood flow there? Sure. So there's a couple of nuances. One is we do, for most people, we do two images. So one is blood flow to the brain at rest. And then the second one is blood flow to the brain in concentration. And the differences between those two scans is also additionally helpful. So if there's low blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, so that's the area right behind the forehead at rest, that can lead to things like fatigue. It can also contribute to depression. Now, if there's lower blood flow to that prefrontal cortex in concentration, but it looks pretty healthy at rest, that's a classic form of ADD. So low blood flow to the prefrontal cortex that is worse with concentration, that person might benefit from something like a stimulating antidepressant, such as as butrin or maybe a stimulating prescription, like some of the stimulant, like Adderall, Ritalin, or even some stimulating activities, things like exercise help to bring blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, as well as there's several supplements that do the same thing. Things like ginkgo biloba that improves blood flow to the brain, as well as some types of things like green tea, for example, also really helpful. So it gives us an idea when we're looking at the brain, you know, low blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, is it at rest? Is it in concentration? And how is that showing up for the patient? And then that helps us figure out what the best strategies are to help that person's brain work better. I love
0: that. So good. And then, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are feeling very anxious these days, very unsettling with that level of anxiousness. What would, because we're talking about SPECT imaging scans. So what would somebody that is showing exhibiting signs of anxiety, how does that show up on a SPECT imaging scan? What are you noticing with their images with anxiety?
1: Sure. A lot of the emotional centers of the brain are deeper structures. So for the example of anxiety a classic anxiety would show up as extra blood flow to the basal ganglia we have one on the right one on the left and a little bit of blood flow there can be really good for internal motivation it can actually help us to get things done but excess blood flow to that area can actually really increase the amount of anxiety that we're feeling about our lives, about situations. And it really, that's when the basal ganglia are one reason people may choose to self-medicate. So things like marijuana and alcohol that are not brain healthy, they're actually reducing blood flow right. to the surface of the brain, unfortunately, but they help to calm that extra activation in the basal ganglia. So it's not uncommon that people are reaching for things for relief when those basal ganglia look like they're on fire, a lot of extra blood flow. But there are natural things that we can do too. So we can do healthy strategies like self-regulation techniques that could be meditation and it could be listening to binaural beats. It could be using something that is like a vagus nerve stimulator. It could be doing some breathing exercises or meditative yoga, for example. All of those help to turn down the volume on the stress response centers in the center of the brain. And there are medications that also calm that down. And they are often, a lot of medications are more brain healthy, whereas there are medications that are also not brain healthy that do the same thing. For example, benzodiazepines. So benzodiazepines, classic examples would be Valium or Xanax. Those can also turn down the volume on the basal ganglia, calming anxiety. However, long-term or chronic use of those medications also Mm -hmm. worsen the health of the outer cortex of the brain. So they actually do harm. So it's not unusual when, when patients come in with anxiety, if they are using something like alcohol or marijuana or benzodiazepines, even if they're given and they're taking them appropriately as right. prescribed, can be doing damage to the brain in the long run. So I do a lot of work with patients to get them from, to move from those unhealthy strategies to manage anxiety towards healthy strategies. And certainly um, there are also really good medications for anxiety that don't do damage. And sometimes it's stepping people from something like chronic benzodiazepine use to a brain healthy medication, and then gradually getting them off the medication onto supplements and, you know, self-regulation strategies.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people that I see, you know, using like the lemon balm extract and sure. holy basil and GABA and things like that can be so calming for the brain. And so, and just breathing exercises and holding acupressure points and lot of times we go straight to the pill when there's so much we can do to regulate our systems. And so that's what I love about the Amen Clinics. It's, it's not just one-sided it's let's look at the whole thing. How can we best support this person? And, you know, we marry the Western, Eastern,
1: and that's what I really, really love about the Eamon Clinics. Yeah, no, it's nice. I feel like we have the opportunity to take the best of both worlds. We can use yes. the best that tradi- you know, Western medicine has to offer us, mm-hmm. as well as the best that we can pull from naturopathic approaches. And some of those have been around for, for centuries. Centuries, like. yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, from
0: your years of experience, you have such a great history of supporting people with mental health, what are probably, you know, like your top three or four natural ways that you see really give the best benefits for people if they do them
1: consistently to support their mental health? That's a really good question. I really do think that the number one thing is exercise, to be honest. Mm -hmm. There are so many good reasons to exercise. And a recent study actually showed that exercise, the efficacy, the effectiveness of regular exercise outperformed any antidepressant medication. I believe that. that. (laughs) I mean, that should have been like headlines across all the newspapers in the country, right? Right? Guess (laughs) what. If you just get out there and exercise five days a week, it's going to work better than any of the medications you're taking for depression. So I do really work with patients. I do a lot of cheerleading. I do a lot of encouragement. You know, what do we need to do? Do we need to bring in a trainer for a month or two so you can get a new exercise regime? Do we need to find an exercise buddy? What do you like doing? I don't want you to go out and do something you hate. Let's find an exercise that brings you some joy. Maybe it's going for walks out in nature. Maybe it's, you know, the timing of the, you know, what time of day, maybe it's just, you know, getting it so much of changing a habit is getting it into your routine. So it becomes what you do, right? Oh yeah. So, you know, this is what I do. I go for a walk at lunch. That's what I do. I brush my teeth when I wake up in the morning and go for a walk at lunch. It becomes your new normal. And that's really, really important when you're making these lifestyle changes. But exercise is incredibly powerful. It does bring more blood flow to the surface of the brain. Exercise actually helps your brain heal. When you get more than 20 minutes of an elevated heart rate with exercise, it actually increases something called BDNF brain-derived neurotropic factor, which actually helps your brain heal. So it's actually helping your brain heal. It's not just doing, you know, getting the circulation. <laughs> in your brain. It also helps to improve the production of neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin that make us feel good and happy and less depressed and anxious. So you cannot overstate the importance of exercise and really trying to make sure that we're finding the types of exercise that are accessible to patients and that really improve their quality of life. I think is important.
0: Yeah. I I always tell clients like, don't overthink it. We just got to move more. So, you know, I had a client in earlier today who his goal is to get in 10 extra minutes of movement a day. And so, you know, it's like, well, when you're behind the counter, can you just like do 10 squats when you're not busy? Right. Like we're just thinking outside the box. Right. So it doesn't have to be oh, I go to the gym and I have to drive to the gym and show up and do 45 minutes. And, and, you know, this regimen that is, you know, not working for your lifestyle just to check the box. So I love, yeah, just adding things in and finding what works for you and creating a new habit. That's key or you're not going to stick with it.
1: Exactly. And, you know, we're really talking about exercise as not as a part of a, you know, a weight loss plan or a diet, right. but part of this is my new normal. This is what I do now. I keep moving because the more that we move and keep moving, the more we're able to continue to do so as we age. So, yes. you know, losing mobility is a huge detriment as we age. So the more we continue to move, the better. Yes. So that's number one. And I would think number two is something that I think is we all have to do every single day, which is to make a conscious decision about what we put into our bodies, what we're eating. <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> and so it's a big challenge for people, you know, emotionally people eat for comfort uh, people eat socially and it's just so important to understand that you really are what you eat. And again, making it your new normal to eat healthy and make healthy choices wherever you can. And that can also look like, like you said, just be creative. How can you work on improving diet? You know, for some patients, you know, sometimes people, they're not eating vegetables. And I say, okay, I want you to add one vegetable a day. Like you don't have to overhaul everything because sometimes you're not ready for that. But how can you make sure that you're eating one vegetable a day? And let's start there, you know, just make that change, make that your new normal. And then we'll build on that over time. And I think that sometimes people get overwhelmed by the changes of what they perceive, like their current diet and the diet that they think they should be eating. And I think the key is to make these gradual changes. Now, sometimes it does help. Sometimes people are ready for a big overhaul, but I always tell people, that overhaul is moving you to your new normal. So if your new normal is a completely restrictive diet that you cannot imagine doing for the next 10 years, it's probably not the right one. Yeah. Right. Really making changes that are are realistic for your lifestyle and realistic for your family and your needs and desires. The other thing I tell people is you may, lots of people are eating too much sugar, drinking things like soda, and it's important that they have that we allow ourselves a treat now and then. Yeah. <laughs> because okay. otherwise our inner teenager rises up and says, right. <laughs> But I deserve to have a treat. And then the next thing you know, you've eaten an entire cake. You know, you yeah. you need to like figure out what works for you. I have an example. I have a patient who was diabetic, came into my office, didn't know he was diabetic. We diagnosed that. And and I said, you've got to stop eating sugar. And he said, I just don't think I can. I said, okay, let's just talk about what you can do. And it turned out his wife was this fantastic uh, maker of pies. And that was like his favorite thing. And that was like her love language. She she made pies for him. And I said, look, you know, if you, he didn't want medication is the thing he wanted to reverse the diabetes without medication, which you can do, but mm-hmm. you can't do it and continue to eat pie every day. It's right. just So I said, well, what would be reasonable? What could you envision being able to maintain in the long run, 10, 20 years out? And he said, if I could eat pie every Saturday. And I said, like one piece of pie. He said, yes. You could have one piece of pie. Is there ice cream? Yes. Okay. So one piece of pie with ice cream on Saturday. And if you do that, you cannot have pie the rest of the week and you feel okay about that. And you said, yeah. So we did that. And honestly, within three months, his hemoglobin A1C had dropped almost to normal. It was really powerful to work with him and see like what he felt like he could do. Mm -hmm. And it allowed him still to have that pleasure to have he and his wife have this nice interaction. And, you know, like I said, that was her love language, making these pies for him. And it made it sustainable in the long run. And that was key because yeah. if we said no pie, he was going to fall off the wagon.
0: Yeah. Well, no, we don't like to be told, no, we don't like to be told we can't do something because we will rebel. We yes,
1: just- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So we have to figure out what can we do that is going to be sustainable for us and healthy for us in the long run. And that may be having pie once a week, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I know. It's like, never would I ever tell someone to cut out their coffee, right? Like, I don't like to tell people to cut things out, you know, for the long haul. It's like, okay, what can we add in that sometimes crowds out? And then what is a good balance for you realistically? And I love that you did that because it's a win-win and whenever we can get a win-win life is good for all of us. So absolutely. absolutely. I love that. So exercise, eating healthy,
1: and do you have any other main tips? I think the third one would be stress management, healthy stress management. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's a very broad term, but it does look different for different people, right? Even the exercise and stress management for mm-hmm. some people, right? But I think the key is poor stress management actually shortens our lives. Poor stress management reduces the quality of our lives. And finding ways to manage stress in a healthier way is actually going to help everything. And like I mentioned before, like that may be exercise, that may be seeing a therapist regularly. That may be, you know, doing some trauma therapy. That might be finding whether it's you know some kind of self-regulation exercise that you do every day, which could be meditation, it could be breathing, it could be using a vagus nerve stimulator. It's definitely in most cases finding ways to reduce the stress that we do have control of in our life. Some stressors we don't have control over. Like Life is sometimes stressful and some of those things are out of our control. So that's learning how to manage those in a healthy way. But also we have some control over our schedules. We have some control over our commitments and stepping back and saying what I've committed to, what I've scheduled, is it more than is reasonable for me to take on? Right. And, you know, in the United States, we don't value very highly, you know, institutionally in our organizations, self-care and not working ourselves to the bone. And I think it's important that we recognize where we can make those changes so that our stress levels are more manageable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like asking yourself, what am I holding on to that I can let go of? Because a lot of times we're being stressed just to be stressed because of this cultural norm, because of this idea in America that you have to be going, 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 going. And it's like, what would it mean if I didn't keep doing all the things? And it's like, well, I would have more time. Oh, I wouldn't be as stressed, you know? So I think that sometimes really sitting with yourself and what's important, what is necessary, What do I want to continue to do? Because I think sometimes, you know, life starts to happen and our goals become the goals of society. Our goals become other people's goals and we lose sight and track of, well, who am I? What do I really want? And so for me personally with stress management, that's sitting in in that vein of who am I? What is it I really want with my life? How do I want to show up every day? That allowed me to let go of a lot of things that were pulling my energy towards them that was actually causing me a lot of stress. And I was like, oh, I can allow to let that go. And it helped me in, incredibly, incredibly yes. so much. So yeah, stress management is very important.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and to what you said, you know, Dr. Amon talks about, he calls it the one page miracle exercise where you sit down and literally write out your goals, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be personal, professional, spiritual, like all of the things that you are aiming for in your life. And then you keep that visible. You keep that so that it's at the forefront of your mind. You put it somewhere where it's constantly reminding you, here are the things I'm moving towards. And then as you are making choices day to day, you're asking yourself, is this moving me towards my goals? And if not, is this a choice I want to make, right? Yes. And that can really help guide if we keep our eyes on, you know, what our goals are, then that can help us guide choices along the way. Yes. So good. I love that. The one pager that is a good one. <laughs> yeah, it is really nice. It's, it's a good kind of check in with yourself and what's important to you. And those things evolve, you know, that's not a stagnant list either that can definitely evolve right. and change over time. But I think it's really helpful. You know, I think those are my top three and there's so much more that I do. I mean, I think that I use a lot of supplements, nutritional supplements that are really supportive. I do sometimes use medications. It's often not my first choice, but sometimes it is. Sometimes people are in distress and they need something that's a little bit stronger, a yeah. little bit faster. And, and so we do have, you know, again, pulling the best of both worlds. Sometimes we use those medications because they are a reasonable crutch as long as they're not doing damage. Yeah, I agree. 110%.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Julie. You gave some great tips today and thank you for sharing about spec imaging scans. I think that more awareness needs to be brought around um, the opportunity for people to get those scans. And it blows my mind that it's not mainstream, but neither is uh, some of these natural things that have been around for thousands of years. I mean, it used to be mainstream. 120 years ago, this stuff was mainstream, but yeah, it's not true. so much anymore. But education is key. When we know better, we can do better. And when we have more options, it allows us to make the best decisions for us and our families. And you know, having options is also important for mental health because, as you know, when people feel like they don't have options, how that triggers the brain and it can cause even more stress, more anxiety. So I really appreciate you popping on today and sharing some insight and just keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you. We need more practitioners like you in the world. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. And I just, I want to just say that if SPECT imaging is something you're interested in, just check out the online, the website, the aiming The practitioners at aiming clinics are just fantastic. Really yeah. <laughs> you know, doctors who really care about our patients, really smart, invested doctors. And I feel honored to be working with such a fantastic team so
0: yes thank you so much and I'll put the link in the show notes so you guys can all go and you're just one click away and to finding that resource so thank you Dr. Julie
1: thank you Anna Marie it's been really nice talking with you
0: thanks for joining us today you guys on this happy whole you podcast we are so stoked that you are listening and if you have questions or want to reach out to us you can always email us at info at happyhole and you know where to find us at happyhole you on Facebook and at happyhole you on instagram. So have a wonderful day, have a great week and we will see you soon.